We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined as always by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the show. Sean, we touched on it briefly um, this uh, past Tuesday when we talked about you know a number of different scenarios, including some of our teams that maybe aren't doing well uh, in some of the listener leagues. We also touched on the main event team, which is uh, tied first in points and tied for some record at six and two um in the main event the ffpc main event up to 155 overall but something i wanted to highlight as we kick off here on our thursday show heading into week nine of the nfl season is a lot of the conversation that we've had over the last couple of years is trying to have those top wide receivers when we're going for that zero rb build having those guys in our roster when it gets to week nine week 10 week 11 those guys that are in the top five at the position or in the top 10 at the position that is a team where we now currently sit with three of the top seven wide receivers on that roster and uh justin jefferson who has has yet to kind of hit the big time for us so wide receiver looking looking quite healthy in the the main event and uh hopefully it's something that's going to lean us towards uh success over the the next couple of weeks at least in the the league format if we can bring home a championship there if we can bring a home a, a points and record double that would be would be nice as well but the main part of the thought process uh, of me bringing this up at the start is the for to give you basically the opportunity to reiterate kind of the the process of trying to have those top guys and come kind of the the mid to three quarter point of the season yeah one of the things we were looking at with with all the players out now you know how do you fill in this week if you're looking for wide receivers on weavers you're going to have absolutely nothing there are actually a lot more opportunities to add 
some running backs in here. We were looking at our drafts, and again, uh, you know, we had some great articles on the site. Bjorn writing about the wide receiver dead zone and how if you go in there and look at the best ball tools and you look at after round 12 and it is absolutely done right and so we're looking at our drafts you know there's nothing in there for those late rounders Uh, it's also interesting you know we we were trying to figure out you know what we did what we could have done differently just kind of go back and look at the draft board from time to time uh and that can be both exciting and very frustrating, even on teams that are doing well, right? I mean, this team is one of the best teams that we have. And we went back and we looked and we we're trying to figure out why we didn't have one more wide receiver. Now, Jefferson was doing fine until they come out of the bye and he plays poorly. Kirk Cousins plays poorly. Colin, this is a little bit of a digression, but I don't see how you can come out of the bye and play the way the Vikings and the Jaguars did this last week. If I own the Jaguars. And I know this is a difficult situation because, you know, you bring in a new head coach, you're excited about this new era. You know, you're going to have to give him some time to install all of the things that he wants to do from a culture perspective, from a scheme perspective. You've got to rebuild the team when you don't have any talent. I mean, the Jaguars defense is absolutely awful. So it's not just trying to rebuild this offense, but you come out of the bye and play the way that they just played. And you have a real sort of crisis of character and leadership from your coaching staff and the culture change is already gone completely sideways. I don't know. I'm, I, it's easy for someone else to say. It's very difficult for the owner. I can understand, you know, the situation that he was in and how close they got to firing Urban Meyer when that stuff happened, you know, several weeks back. I think that you look at how they played coming out of this buy and just fire him today. Start over. You know, you don't want to waste the rest of the season. I mean, these guys have to start getting better. This was this was a disaster. Didn't look great for Justin Jefferson either but column the thing that was absolutely demoralizing and you know we know that we were on him because sort of across sort of the the rv teams and these aren't all teams that you and i drafted together but uh, just sort of the constellation of teams drafting with different members of the road of his community jamar chase is is like the highest percentage rostered guy that i have our fifth round pick and you can go back. I'm pretty sure this is one that we did the show for, right? And, and you know, well, I'll have to ask you if you ever go back and listen or if the any of the listeners go back and can kind of make fun of us. I think that this is a good task for the listeners to have a listen back and send a tweet over. Oh, man. Because the last four picks before our fifth round pick were Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool. Leveski Sunald. Yeah whom we don't want to mention that's all part of the jacksonville situation there but the one that we were really counting on being available and the one that went one pick pick, before yes one pick before us was jamar chase and that's who we were going to take definitely there's no question that we uh you know we're not even going to mention who we did select instead again don't select running backs in this area you will regret it for the rest of your life right so anyway we don't get chase we have three of the top, I believe. We took five. Trey Sherman, if anyone's wondering. No, we, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we did not do that. Uh, we have three of the top five. We have Justin Jefferson. We would have had, Colin, we would have four of the top five wide receivers if our league mates had just been a little bit worse at drafting there. Pick somebody else, right? I mean, you're drafting late in the fifth. Jamar Chase has to be there. He was there a lot, thank heavens, because... That, that's who we did normally pick but it would be fun to have on this team 
Cullen, Michael Thomas out today for the rest of the season as well. And so, you know, Ben and I talked a little bit on Sealy Bananas, Taysom Hill, an interesting ad because of the rushing ability. But this Saints offense is going to continue to be very talent deficient. Uh, I was kind of chatting with you. Only have one team, one redraft team with Michael Thomas. It sadly is a team that was a sort of a, an RB quad team where we're in playoff position. We lost three wide receivers this week to very different situations. That's, again, one of the reasons why you want to have some depth. You don't know all the different ways that you will lose these players. But uh, I, I don't know. Every once in a while, the talent level is just so extreme that you want to go ahead and take a shot. But generally speaking, uh, I'm against this, and I regret making this selection. Michael Thomas has been very much going down this path that we saw A.J. Green go down, where there are some real questions about sort of work ethic in terms of the ethic of returning from injury. There are some real questions of whether or not he was willing to work with the team at all. And then and, and those criticisms may be completely unfair. It may simply be a, prop, a situation where he has an injury that will not heal for a variety of reasons or for one very specific reason, whatever that reason is. And you, you just you don't want to create exposure to that for yourself, regardless of the talent level, when you have this kind of really debilitating and long-term injury. It's sad for him. I mean, Michael Thomas was on the way to being one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. He was on the way to the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, he came into the league a little bit late. He's only played a handful of seasons, but he may already be done. And this is very sad for him, I think, from a reality perspective, because all of the things that he was set to accomplish are, are very much in jeopardy now. Yeah, and it's really strange. Um, I know there's been a, the trade deadline has you know come and gone. There's a lot of conversation around Odell Beckham, and there's even uh, links with him to potentially the the Saints from some of the reports. But there's a lot of uh, similarities now. If we look back on the early career success of both Michael Thomas and Odell Beckham, and then how things have kind of played out a little bit after that. So both guys we thought were going to be kind of perennially at that top end of the wide receiver. Uh, success you know stories each and every season in both the nfl and in fantasy football and it's kind of tailed off quite dramatically for them so we'll see if either of them can kind of rekindle anything like their past success but yeah it looks like um obviously the value is going to have have dropped very significantly in michael thomas particularly in dynasty but we'll see where he shuffles to in redraft for the 2022 season sean something's sticking a rapid fire through for um week eight obviously deandre swift we've talked a lot on it about you know garbage time being the the kind of recipe for the ultimate success of his early season performances uh garbage time that starts early in the first quarter is probably not the recipe for that as they got uh, kind of blown out in the game that ended in a, quite a swift i guess pardon the pun swift pace overall but yeah not a great week for deandre swift then um you know aj brown continues to really look like he's going to be dominant again and obviously derrick henry part of the the news of this week out for the next uh foreseeable part of the season anyway basically the rest of the, the fantasy season but that may also uh, boost the value of aj brown going forward but the last two weeks has looked back to his his best james connor again finds the end zone uh, two touchdowns for him rushing and in your piece this week you mentioned in 2021 it's been death taxes and connor finding the end zone so things you can guarantee that are going to happen this year 
Um, out of those things and, and tossing in the Derek Henry news as well, is there any of those that you want to, to touch on specifically? Well, I thought it was interesting. I mean, the, the Lions played a couple of running backs sort of behind DeAndre Swift and in concert with him early. We were wondering how this would break down with Jamal Williams out. Jamal Williams has been a complete wipeout from a fantasy perspective, but from a reality perspective, he's looked pretty good, right? I mean, he's a, a very solid early down rusher, especially before Detroit had some offensive line injuries and they were actually you know, pushing the defense back a little bit. I mean, he was hitting the line hard. He was getting, you know, four or five yard chunks to set them up with decent down and distance situations. Now we talk all the time about how really want to limit those types of plays and want to pass anyway. But if you're going to run, you want to run as effectively as possible. You want to have that good success rate. He looked good. But we did have a sleeper that we talked about a ton during the draft process. We talked about a little bit in terms of a zero RB candidate, uh, not necessarily somebody you would draft, but a watchless guy going into the season. And that's Jamar Jefferson, one of these players who a little bit like a Miles Gaskin almost. You have somebody who's not big. He doesn't test very well, but he was a fantastic collegiate running back. And some of those guys do fight their way through and become solid NFL players. One of the cool things to follow in camp or just kind of hear out of Detroit camp was that he had impressed. Right. So they were excited about him, even though they had Swift, even though they had added Williams and he looked good in this game. He can catch the ball. Uh, he is surprisingly solid in terms of pushing through tackles, even though it didn't test at all with this. His ability to change direction is elite. And I think that he could create a one two punch with DeAndre Swift for the long term if the Lions decide to go that direction. So, you know, the Lions continue to list Swift with injuries every week. They list him as questionable. He looks to be, you know, basically 100%. In most of these games, he shows some pretty good burst. Every once in a while, you know, when he catches the ball or when he's running behind that line, there's not a hole and he kind of sits there, doesn't go anywhere. You know, you're wondering, you know, is he hurt? Is he patient? You know, is he thinking about something else? But then, you know, he'll he'll break off a big play. And so he looks pretty good. But anytime that a team insists on listing somebody and, and had – all of the preseason concern about that. You do want to be aware of these backs. And so Jefferson, somebody I think you have to add in if you're a Swift owner and you have some roster spots there. I mean, they're going into the buy, and so it's a little bit tricky to do this week because we know that as we try to navigate these buys, it can be tough just to feel the lineup, much less stashing handcuffs behind players. But, you know, if you do have openings now because of things that have happened this last week, you know, maybe you want to look at that. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Colin, what are your thoughts here on the Tennessee Titans? You mentioned A.J. Brown, and Blair had some cool notes in his piece earlier this week talking about uh, in week seven, Jamar Chase goes over 200 yards. In week eight, Debo Samuel has 171. Uh, neither player is the two-week leader. A.J. Brown has 288 yards on 18 catches. He's caught 90% of his targets. He leads all receivers in terms of NFL expected points added, which is sort of the reality stat looking at how his plays add to actual uh, points on the football field there. Also points out that prior to these last two weeks, he had an eclipse 16.1. Now, Julio Jones hasn't been playing A.J. Brown. He's one of these guys where I almost wonder, you know, if it matters at all. We talk from time to time about how, yeah, if the other guys aren't there, then you get this really high target share. But sometimes that comes back and the defensive attention is just so extreme. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that that's what happened with the Atlanta Falcons this week. But certainly it was frustrating if you have Kyle Pitts out there and they don't have Calvin Ridley. We know that they don't have anybody else. I mean, it's not to be overly critical of their other players. I mean, if you're out there on an NFL football field, you're, just, you're a fantastic athlete. You're very, very skilled. You're doing a great job. But in terms of guys who could actually impact an NFL game, at the receiver position behind Ridley, the Falcons don't have anything. And so it makes it a little more difficult if the defense can entirely key on that one guy, even if the guy is a star. With the Titans, it really just seems like whether or not Ryan Tannehill can throw to him, and if the game script requires them to go that direction a little bit, they do fall down the two touchdowns early for the Colts, and this seemed to really help Brown out in terms of being the guy they needed. Now, anytime that you break loose for a 57-yard touchdown, that in and of itself is going to get you a big chunk of the fantasy points. We talked about 288 yards over the last two weeks. I mean, he's well over 200 even without that 57-yard touchdown. Yeah, I think with Brown, the the thing was always going to be that, you know, the opportunities when they came. And he had a lot of last season where he was injured, not fully healthy. And this season to start, he didn't look fully healthy either. The one probably part that's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out over the, the next couple of weeks is Ryan Tannehill has been excellent since he's gone to the Titans. He has really like kind of transformed himself from his time with the Dolphins. A lot of that has been on play action and also having Derek Henry in the lineup Henry we talked about last week has been kind of the iron man of the NFL based on the work he was getting unfortunately that um led to well not us talking about it didn't lead to injury but it led to an injury this this particular week of the season but I think it's gonna be interesting to see how this offense can work as much as we think that maybe they shouldn't run it as much I wonder is that going to limit some of the opportunities then that that come the way in terms of kind of 
the the box being squeezed up at the line of scrimmage and leaving some more opportunities for the wide receivers on the outside um not as much coverage in the back end so we'll see that but i think that uh, that i think aj brown is probably going to get the volume we talk a lot about the efficiency that he has he's as efficient as any kind of receiver in the history of the nfl basically at this point i think if the efficiency probably drops off a little bit but the volume should likely increase over the next couple of weeks so i'm excited to see how it how it works out for him and the other part of it is obviously you mentioned debo samuel as well samuel has like i know we had expectations in the off season of how Ayuk may do how samuel may do there's no doubt that samuel is blowing any expectations out of the water at this particular point in terms of like overall seven eight game stretches in the nfl um on on that seven game pace he's like up there with the all-timers like jerry rice so um looking looking really really good um it looks at this point like he's almost game script proof doesn't really matter what way the game goes they're going to give him those targets and a lot of his work then coming after the catch so it's been really exciting to see some of these uh, young wide receivers get more and more opportunities particularly as the season's gone along but um yeah both of those guys are in for for nice runs you mentioned though the falcons not having any other players on offense outside of kyle pitts i think you forgot about carterell patterson uh, who got into the end zone again <laughs> this past week but yeah it's going to be tricky for him without having Ridley out there because like I mentioned with the way that Derrick Henry been on the field affects how defenses play them obviously if you don't have Calvin Ridley on the field and now Kyle Pitts is your wide receiver one and you your secondary tight end options who are going to be playing as true tight ends aren't at the same level as you know as Pitts it's going to make it a little bit harder in those double coverage situations so it's going to take some adjusting for him uh, moving forward here uh we did mention samuel i did touch on Ayuk. Uh, just something sean that i was kind of thinking we were talking a little bit after the show on tuesday is looking back at the draft boards from earlier this offseason how we were drafting and you know i i've talked a number of times about you know joked earlier about james connor he's my most drafted player this offseason so so far so good with that uh, we just need to keep him getting into the end zone twice a week uh, <laughs> to make up for a 14 point day for him but uh in terms of Chenault and Ayuk, they were two of my other most drafted uh, players this offseason. So if we could go back in time, my question was going to be, they are probably the two um, players that I would change in terms of kind of my misses or regrets so far this season. So we are eight weeks into the season. Things could turn around, and there are signs that things maybe turn around for Brandon Ayuk in terms of how they used him this past week did get him more involved in the offense caught a two-point conversion got some early targets in that game so hopefully he is coming out of the shanahan doghouse and we'll get more opportunities here moving forward so um that would be good we kind of touched on it i believe it was last week or the week before about you know possibly a buy low opportunity for him in dynasty league so it'd be interesting to, to know if any of the listeners did buy in on on that because i think we're going to start to see that improve but if you could head back to um it might be another 49ers player who you said you weren't going to uh, mention on this show that you might change that pick in the main event but was there is there any players that you drafted quite heavily this offseason that you know if if you took them out and submitted it you know another player in that range your teams would be having a bit more success at this point yeah and it's interesting some of those names uh you know fortunately the price on chanel got to be so extreme that the exposure is a little bit lower 
than it would otherwise be. And you kind of look uh, in these situations, I think it's important to try and decide whether or not you feel like the process was correct in terms of those selections. I mean, one of the things that we look at big picture is that the teams are doing well, the construction is good. And so overall the process was good, but you know, if, if you can not make the key mistakes or not make mistakes that would have allowed you to be even better than those individual areas, you, you definitely want to look at. Chenault and Ayuk both came in with such impressive profiles that I don't necessarily regret that. Now, I don't, basically don't have any Ayuk. have the one team that Curtis and I did together where uh, one of our main guys went right before us, but he got hurt. And so it didn't necessarily matter that much. But we took Ayuk. All the rest of the teams have Samuel because of that difference in price and the you know relative similarities between what the two guys did as rookies. And then Samuel, obviously, a little bit of a question of, you know, how are you going to come back from the injuries that you had as a second year player? But, you know, talking about Ayuk and, and again, talking about why you would want to draft him this season and why you want to buy low now, right? I mean, he averaged 15.4 points per game last year. That's the ninth best this century for any rookie wide receiver playing in 10 or more games. And historically rookies who do that kind of thing in their first year, they do well in year two, they go on to these massive seasons. And so I, I don't think that that is something that you should criticize yourself overly about Although, again, one of the things that we talk about a lot is just getting exposure to these teams through the cheapest option if the cheapest option isn't substantially different. Or even if they are different, but if the price gap makes it a better way to get exposure. So, you know, perhaps it's something where, you, you know, you go back and think, well, instead of a split between Ayuk and Samuel, maybe you just want entirely Samuel. But, and, you know, as we got closer to the season, it became clear that their prices should have converged to an extent because there was a lot of negativity surrounding Ayuk those last couple of weeks. And so one of those things is you're always saying, well, you know, how much of this is real and how much is not real? Because one of the things that we saw with the 49ers too was that there were, and it's not just one source, right? There were a lot of different glowing reports about Trey Sermon in camp. And if you look at him in this situation here with the 49ers, I mean, he'd be scoring a lot of points. I mean, the one game that he actually got to play, he looked fantastic. Right. I mean, he's slicing through for seven yards of play and you could see why people would be excited before we go to that. Who which was, was that player? Who was that player? <laughs> Not <laughs> so, but we go back here and we also look at Chenault. The reason that I would also be buying Chenault is, again, this combination of the resume coming in, what he did over the second half of last season. And now I think the price, because uh, you have to get a good price if you're going to buy Chenault now because he has been so bad and the offense has been so bad. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think there are any long-term concerns, but they're going to have to get better coaching and they're going to have to get a better scheme in. One of the reasons why I wouldn't be completely out on Chenault is that DJ Chark looked awful before he got hurt. Marvin Jones looks awful. We talk, we give Marvin Jones a hard time, but he shouldn't be looking the way he looks right now. I mean, this is ridiculous, right? The only passes that they could complete are Jamal Agnew in garbage time. And so it's all the guys. You go back and you look at uh, some of the targets that Chanel got last week. I mean, during the time when I was watching before, I was like, I just, you know, I have to do something else. To, to... I, I can't watch. I, like if they, if they come on, I just, just all night. 
So I'm watching this game, and the first two targets that Chenault gets are like seven-yard passes where Trevor Lawrence throws it in the dirt at his feet. It's like, I mean, that's not a high-value target. I mean, you can't catch that ball. And that's not something that's necessarily going to continue for a long term. We don't expect someone with Trevor Lawrence's pedigree to spend the next five years you know, throwing the ball at the receiver's feet on seven-yard passes. Right, but this whole thing has to improve, it has to get better. I would be buying Chark right now. He's very, very inexpensive since obviously he can't help you this season. And, you know, you have to actually go back in time a decent amount now to find when he was good. But so, you know, you want to buy low on a few of these players. The thing with Sermon, he did have these positive reports out of camp. You can look at the 49ers offense and say, yeah, anybody who is the main ball carrier for them is going to score points. I think this was a mistake as opposed to something where it's like, yeah, this didn't work out, but the reasoning fit with sermon it didn't with sermon his actual collegiate production was very very sketchy the athleticism the tested athleticism was not the level that you want for an elite back now he has some things in terms of the agility at the size which you would think would fit nicely with what the 49ers do but elijah mitchell somebody who really does bring to the table more of what the 49ers are looking for and so you look at the price to acquire the two of them and i mean the thing that 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 leads to the mistake is that the 49ers indicated they liked Sermon better with the way that they drafted him. And then the reports out of camp were positive. And yet, obviously that's not actually what was happening because the 49ers were very clear on who they wanted to be the guy, which is Elijah Mitchell. And even after Sermon had that good game, they immediately brought Mitchell back in and there was no question of, of Sermon actually playing. I mean, he's, he's well buried and he's going to be behind Jeff Wilson when Wilson comes back. And so, you know, that stuff obviously not accurate. So you want to balance these different things. You want to make sure you get a good price. And just in general, that price on Sermon was terrible. And so, I mean, that that's just a clear mistake. And I would say that that's something that shouldn't have done. And so that one you go back and do differently. A couple of those wide receivers there, I think that the season could have broken in a different fashion. So again, we're looking to, to make sure structurally we're doing things that allow us to overcome those mistakes. Mostly we are. I mean, the, the sermon thing is something where it's both a bad pick in terms of the player. It's also a bad pick in terms of the structure. And you know, those are some of the reasons why they say just you know don't do that. That Even someone who I think has played very well this year in A.J. Dillon, I think, is a questionable pick in terms of the structure. And so you go back and you look through and you're like, you know, you have to limit the running backs. We have seen so many guys come through this season and score points from, you know, basically no price at all. And you're not going to have every one of those guys. I mean, you could be a big time zero RB fan, advocate, someone who executes that approach in all of your leagues. And you could have missed on Patterson for just a variety of reasons. You weren't on him at the right time. You didn't spend the right amount you know, your team is still good because you're doing other things. You know, maybe you have Michael Carter, maybe you played Boston Scott last week. And there's so many ways to get the points. You know, don't pay up for the people who don't match the structure and have some elements to where a lot has to go right for them to hit. And so I, you know, AJ Dillon has been fantastic. Ben and I talked about him a lot on the show yesterday, but you know, he's someone else that I think could have been avoided and, and you wouldn't regret that. Now, you know, we could be a week away from Aaron Jones getting hurt. I hope that doesn't happen. Obviously, if it does, you know, you're looking at this massive, massive workload for AJ Dillon, and he could be a top three running back over the fantasy playoffs. And so, you know, exactly what happens always 
affects how you th see things to an extent. But we do want to be aware of, you know, even sometimes when things work out, was it a mistake to have made that decision? And so that's how I would look at some of those individual players. Is that the way that you would look at him? Do you think that Chenault was a clear mistake as opposed to a player who didn't work out? I mean, should we have worried that Urban Meyer has absolutely no idea what he's doing? I mean, some yeah, of these should, college coaches we, who are recruiters, it's like being a recruiter and being a football coach are different things. Yeah, no, we should. I think looking back now, I think we probably, we joked about it at the time, but I still think we thought we were going to be okay based on our thoughts on Lawrence and, and Schnault as well. And, uh, you know, ETN was there at the time, obviously not hurt. And then James Robinson was the, I still think he probably would have got the, the majority of the work. But, you know, my fear with Schnault at the time was that ETN was there and that was going to, eat into those short yardage passes but obviously none of that has materialized if i went back in time and you know was doing these drafts again when you look at the draft board and this is where i think it's very good that you mentioned about the process of it i think i would probably make these same picks and those same rounds probably again there is players in there now that we know has outscored them but if you look in the rounds that those guys were drafted in I still think a lot of our listeners and ourselves would be kind of targeting those same players and those same profiles. So I would still be going in to, to look for them. And I, I, I don't, I'm, I've kind of given up a little bit on Chanel this season recovering, but I, I still think I can, can have value down the stretch here. I know um, some of our leagues coming up, we have uh, some interest in, in picking up Ayuk again. So we'll see what happens there. If owners have, have uh, passed on on him the other thing that you um mentioned there was michael carter and in the opposite way i think he's somebody that i regret in the off season who in the early part of the process um he was in that range where i was picking him up with james connor with you know pollard um unfortunately to this point ronald jones and then like aj Dillon, those kind of guys were all bunched in there and he was somebody who i was drafting so a lot of my early basketball teams will have him on those rosters but when it got to the point of kind of redraft, um, I was going for those other options in that area based on the the reports around the training camp. And that's why at this point, obviously hindsight being 2020, <laughs> I would enjoy having a lot more of him in that range off, off the drafts. You know, you touched on AJ Dillon, but maybe if we had switched those out for Michael Carter, you know, you'd be in a really, really prime spot at this point. But that's what hindsight uh, is. But when we go back through the process and, we can review these things i think it's important to review them though with you know don't review it's an ah, i made the wrong pick i should have just picked him like picking one player per round for 20 rounds isn't really possible you have to kind of trust that kind of process because we're going to go through this all again in 2022 and try and figure out who we need to draft to have those best uh you know performing teams so um i thought that was a, a good breakdown sean there we will wrap it up at that point for today's show we will have a show coming your way on saturday we also have another bonus show coming your way on sunday getting some more additional q a questions in for myself and sean um so we may do another one of those coming up over the the coming weeks to have some kind of you know pre-recorded that we can release from time to time as as bonuses so if you have any questions send them our way if anyone has decided that they're going to listen back in to that uh, main event draft um with me and sean i think it was the fifth round so it's probably part one of that draft let us know um if chase was the main target there i'm pretty sure ahead of trey sermon the second part of it is I'm, I'm, I haven't listened back, but I'm quite convinced that uh, it was Sean's uh, call to, to go and draft Trey Sermon there. So 
please, please, please <laughs> let me know uh, both of those. I don't know how Sean, um, you know, fame for zero RB, commit, got me to commit to two running backs in the opening five rounds of the draft. I, I, I do think I need to listen back to to hear what happened there. But um, as always, if you haven't signed up yet, you can get yourself a Rotoviz subscription. You can save yourself 10% as a loyal podcast listener as well by using the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. We're going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. You get access to all of the content and tools up on the site and including the piece we, we talked about today on today's show. We talked through some of it as well on the Tuesday show. It's Sean's early week piece. A lot of great content going up on the site. Head on over, check out all of that. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all his work, including the piece that I mentioned from today up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back on Saturday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.